Welcome to System Mastery, the podcast where we beat a dead horse 1d6 damage at a time. I'm Jeff, and with me today is not my partner John, but a strange simulacrum. Oh, he certainly sounds like John, and displays most of his mannerisms and interests. But there's a difference there, in his eyes and the small motions of his hands. I know not for certain from whence this dark simulation came, nor what has happened to my real friend. From what I can gather, he has simply vanished, and something else, something the same but entirely other, has taken his place. I fear his intent may be sinister. This week we reviewed Nexus, live-action role-playing game. Play this book, Volume 1. It's a game for 44 players that you don't want to like you. And welcome back. As always, I'm here with my buddy John. How are you today? I'm doing well. Oh. How are your human interests? Uh, um, there is... Oh. We will talk about the role-playing game, yes? <laughs> God. Uh, <laughs> uh, maybe? <laughs> Good. So, uh... So this week... <laughs> Oh, man. I could not keep that going. Uh, That's all right. This week, we reviewed Nexus, the live-action role-playing game. Yeah. Play this book, Volume 1. Yeah, the first of uh, what I'm assuming is probably at least three Play This Book books. Maintaining a long storied tradition of doing zero research, we don't know if he did anything else. Yeah, I know precisely dick about fuck, and it's great and I love it. Misters Dutton and Freetag, who I think are the two writers of the book. Yeah, Rick Dutton, which I cannot read without thinking Dick Button. Oh, yeah, Every single pretty, time. Yeah, I really want to switch the... I just want to be Dick <laughs> Rutten. I've getting, been getting mad rutten on some dicks. Yeah, Dick Rutten. <laughs> That's one of my favorite activities. So, uh... Fair warning, this podcast is going to be a little loose, a little free association, because it's uh, way too hot for us to stay on topic. Yeah, I think my brain's gotten a little melty, and Mm -hmm. it's okay. Plus, we read a LARP, so, you know, what do you want? Yeah, fucking LARP. Yeah, okay. So, uh, yes, we've read a big-ass LARP book. Which is, it's weird, I've uh, I've been wanting to get into a LARP for a while on here, just because it, like, after Car Wars especially, it sort of teeters the other way for me as far as role-playing games go. Because with Car Wars, you have a game that's much more, like, tabletop war game than role-playing game. And with LARP, you end up getting to a point where there just aren't very many mechanics, where it just seems more like improvisational theater than an actual game. Let's break that down real quick. A LARP is a live-action role-playing game. Unlike normal role-playing games where you are all dead. (laughs) Those are all dead-action role-playing games. Or DARPs, yeah. as they are known. Well, really what they are is they're a little more... It's funny because they do occur in real-time live action. It's not like it's... Really, LARP just describes that you pretend to be your character a lot more and you don't use as many dice. Yeah, it's mostly live action role-playing is just you are always assumed to be in character. You don't get to have one of those moments where you joke out of character if you do that then everyone just assumes you're being fucking weird for some reason. Also there's a lot less uh, GM or DM interaction because they can't control all the players at once and so you're generally having in-character conversations. Maybe not as much fighting. There's probably not as many monsters because then you need to have people who were just playing monsters. 
Yeah, especially with something like this. Nexus is a game for 40-some-odd people. 44. Yeah, and at that point, you're really looking at uh, most interactions are going to be player-to-player. Uh, anytime you wanted to get any sort of GM interaction, it's usually either clarification on a rule in case you have some sort of dispute on something, or if you need to talk to an NPC. Like, if your character has a contact, they need to call home base or whatever, then you contact a GM, and that person gives you whatever information you were calling for. So, John, have you ever played a LARP of any kind? I have not. I have never LARPed. I have always been of the opinion that LARP exists so that regular role players have someone to laugh at. It's true. Uh, I tried once. Oh, did you? Yeah, yeah. I tried. I tried to join a LARP. I was. Uh, what was, was the, what was the LARP actually? Cusp of the '90s. It was near the end of them, and I got invited to join a friend's Vampire the Masquerade LARP game. Well, of course, it was a Vampire the Masquerade LARP game. Well, it certainly wasn't going to be Nexus. I tried to find this thing on the internet after we bought it for three dollars at the local nerd store, and uh, it, all I could find was three internet clearinghouse book distributors trying to sell it for three dollars, and, <laughs> and nothing else. There's no reviews of it. There's nothing. It's just this book kind of exists, sort of. Yeah, which is, uh, it's kind of sad yeah. that that's the case, because reading through it, the guys who made this really thought this was going to be a thing. Nope, because Vampire came along and took a, took away their dream. So yeah, I, I did try to run a Vampire game with some buddies. I uh, I got invited, I went out, I had been uh, heavily reading Anne Rice books at that time. Oh man, you were the target demographic. I was, I was exactly the right demographic, and I had picked a favorite vampire type and a favorite character from the Anne Rice books, and of course, because I had to be a rebel, it was some minor vampire that no one cares about, some Egyptian guy, and so I went in going, I want to be like this Egyptian guy, and immediately they told me, oh no, Egyptian guys are far too powerful, you cannot be that. Oh yeah. And I was like, so what does that matter, how does that affect the game, like, do you guys use powers on each other? Oh no, we mostly discuss politics. I'm like, so would it matter if I was Egyptian? Yes, because it would anger some of the people who can't play Egyptian guys, even though you can. Yeah, there was... I remember hearing a lot about the vampire LARP back in the day. I never played it, but I knew a lot of friends who did. There was a lot of politics that went into the... Not even just like we're discussing actual vampire politics, but the interplayer politics of who gets to play what, who's got what position in the game, and so on made it really contentious. And even in Nexus, it's got an entire section of, like, how do you give people different characters? And there's a lot of things like maybe you sell them off to the highest bidder for certain roles. Yeah. And it just seems like that would be a real big way to make people pissed off. Yeah, there's a casting process in there, which it's, it's very unusual. I, I assume that that means that they think that this is going to get played over and over again, because otherwise, how are you going to know how much you really want to play as Dame Corleone over... You know, one of the other random characters in there that doesn't matter. Yeah, it it has an odd bit where they both mention that uh, doing this, you're probably going to do it at, like, some sort of convention or something like that. It's going to be a lot of strangers. Yeah, and that you'll want to sort of get this started from the ground up. And then, after that, they mention, like, oh, when you're done, you should then tell people about the next game you're going to run. And I go... But if you're doing this at a convention, the next game you run is either going to be at a different convention, or like a year from now if it's the same convention, or you just decide, I don't know, maybe to rent out a hall somewhere and do this? I, I guess if this is your hobby, then yeah. I mean, if you think about it, one of the major things about this game that strikes you right as you pick it up and flip through it is that it's a game for 44 players, one dungeon master, and at least five what they call, uh, what were they, uh, game the mobs? Game mothers. Game mothers. Game mothers are just supposed to be people who give the DM back rubs. 
it it is it's kind of creepy how often they mention back rubs it's when they talk of, about them. There's a lot of back rubs in this book. A lot of you, as the person reading this book, are entitled to a lot of back rubs from the strangers you have hired to play this game, or who you are uh, allowing to play your game. Yeah, well, the game definitely fillets the guy who is going to be the game master. Oh in God, this. I, I would want it. Like if I, I, that would be like the only payment I would accept to run this shenanigan. <laughs> like to take three days out of my life and spend it while a bunch of people pretend to be goofy aliens in a, in a convention hall and they keep calling me. Oh yeah. Uh, no, no, the, no the whole, I better be getting blown the whole time. Fuck back rubs. Yeah, the whole thing is just like, hey, what are you going to do? Well, you're going to do a shit ton of prep work. Yeah. You're going to print out a bunch of things. You're going to make shit that you, like, mail out to people who pre-register. You're going to have packets for people. You're going to make props. You're going to do this and that. You're going to get a team assembled. You're then going to organize every 44 people that show up to your game. You're going to do a whole thing for them. Do and a then casting throw- process with them. Give them a bunch of stuff. Then, then they're going to start calling you. And for the rest of your weekend, you're going to spend your time babysitting uh, creeped out pr- prissy weirdos who think that they need to call you some random name over the phone. And while they are having fun playing a game, you are essentially just sitting there adjudicating what goes on for three days. And then at the end of it, you're like, all right, everybody, good job. Yeah, I, I don't even... Uh, d- before, before it sounds too much like we're dumping on this, let me say, this is the only LARP book I've ever read. Well, it's not even just so much that we're dumping on the book, as much as the concept, the concept of, of running it. That's what I wanted to get across, is that this seems like a pretty well-made book to me. Like, it's, I mean, other than the the rampant sexism that's in this thing, <laughs> uh, it, it's, uh, it actually does a good job of conveying what a LARP would be like, and, and really does a, a, a fine job of setting up the person who's going to run this thing to understand what it is they're trying to get into. Oh, yeah, they keep telling you over and over, like, Hey man, the week before you do this game, get like three squares a day and eight hours of sleep, because when this shit starts happening, you are going to have no time to yourself, you are going to be exhausted and run ragged by all of these people playing your game. I just keep looking at it going like, who wants to do this? Who is looking at this going like, I want to be just sad and exhausted all the time? Let's run this. And I know there are people out there that do, but 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 you are sad and exhausted all the time. I know, which is why would I put myself through more of that? I'm, all, I'm already well, doing could, it. Could it get worse? <laughs> could like, it? If you're if you're already the guy who sucks, plus you got depression, why not run this? What's what's the worst that could happen? You're already at baseline. <laughs> I don't but, care. <laughs> at that point, I don't even think you're running the game. You're just like, uh. No, you can't do anything. Your character's dead. Get out of here. <laughs> Life sucks. You have space aids. Fuck off. <laughs> okay, well, there you go. I, I I don't know who this book is written for, but whoever they are, Godspeed to them, because it seems like it'd just be a bear to run it. Yeah, God knows. I've, I mean, I've been to various conventions and seen these types of games run. Generally not for, like, 40-something people, but I've seen ones for about 20 or so, and it's definitely... It's one of those things where I know that someone likes putting this on. They like seeing whatever story they've crafted be brought to life by people. I just can't imagine how you end up paying your your co-GMs. Right. Because you have like oh, yeah. five or six guys yeah, that are also there doing nothing. There's game mothers and co-GMs. There's yep. at least five people that are co-GMs, and their job is just to play NPCs briefly. They're supposed to be things like nurses or police officers or random criminals or space monsters. And they also answer the phone and be random people's contacts and shit like that. So you need to have five GMs, one of whom is the main GM, and then you need five game mothers. And game mothers are people who don't care about the game. 
who uh, don't know what's going on in the game and have no interaction with it, and are just there to give you back rubs and be nice to you. It says in the Game Mother section that they essentially aren't playing the game, but are there for moral support for the players. So if some new guy's like, I don't really know how to approach people, I'm kind of a nerd that's scared to talk to folks, then you should send a Game Mother over to be like, Hey buddy, why don't you... Why don't you talk to this guy for a bit? Where are you finding those five people? I, I, that's one of the other ones is, who is interested enough to spend three days doing nothing but helping you with your game, but isn't interested in your game? Cause it, it has to be someone that doesn't want to play and doesn't want to help out in an actual GM capacity, but wants to help out by just being around? So let's, uh, real quick, just to make it, the, the book is super sexist. A lot of the characters have crazy sexist powers or descriptions. Game Mother itself kind of sounds like a sexist term. But uh, let's, the art in the book, which, by the way, is hilarious. Oh, yeah. Uh, the art in the book of the Game Mother is a reclining, uh, self-satisfied-looking fat beardo. Yeah. It is your, your standard fat beardo. Yeah. And uh, that Wozniak-looking motherfucker is definitely going to come give you a real creepy back rub that's, later. That's what's going to happen. You're going to get a weird back rub from Bruce Greenwood, <laughs> who's going to ask you if you swing. <laughs> yeah, that is 100% what is going to happen here. I do enjoy that that's who they decided to put for the game mother, even though they do keep making it sound like some lady is going to come touch you if you run this game. But then they decided to make that the representation. Well, so they're, they're going to you touch your, get your hopes up. They're going to touch your back. I don't know. That's that's kind of like very specific with them. It's all back rubs. Yeah. Well, you know, that's that's the platonic way to touch a guy. I think I think in the in the mind of one of those always alone nerd type guys, a a, a back rub is basically like the gateway sex. Yeah, like, man. Like you get that. Well, they're already touching my back. All they gotta do is roll me over, and we're having sex, I think. Yeah, man, that's that's like a bunt. You are on your way to first base now. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> uh, From back there, they get a really good view of the other side of my trilby. <laughs> uh, they can read the text on the back of my My Little Pony shirt. Oh, God. My Little Pony would be the only thing that could make this uh, this game less comfortable to play in. <laughs> so, we've talked for quite a while now about LARPing in general, uh... But nothing specific about this game. So, let's see if we can break down the basic storyline of what Nexus is. The story of Nexus before we get to the rules, because there's only like three rules. Yeah. So, the uh, the basic thing is a sci-fi premise, but takes place on Earth. Uh-huh. In Anytown, USA, at the Anytown Sci-Fi Con. Oh, Anytown. And uh, Anytown has a police station, they have a hospital, they have a newspaper, and you are, of course, supposed to be running all of this. Mm-hmm. But uh, in addition to that, you have several different aliens converging on your sci-fi con. And so. uh, you've got your uh, Ninth Federation, or the IXF. Mm-hmm. And they are sort of like your Star Trek Federation. They have contact laws uh, so that nobody gets tech outside of what they've already discovered for themselves and uh-huh. things like that. They're trying to make sure that Earth stays ignorant and that nobody tips anyone off about anything. And that no one takes over Earth during this time period. <laughs> yeah, because we are unwittingly a member of the Ninth Federation, even though we don't know that they exist. We're on their turf. And meanwhile, there's another faction that's trying to take over the Earth, and that's why they're here at the convention. In addition to a bunch of rumors that have brought everyone here about how there's fantastic treasure and spice and cures for the space plague, and every other MacGuffin that's that's here on Earth in, in any town. But one of the factions that's here to take over is the Konathians. 
Yeah. And the Conathians are space orcs. Uh, is in, they look like space orcs. They have big tusks. And they've got sort of a Klingon-ish vibe to them. And they have a tenet set by which they live their lives, uh, it, which is basically... Always, uh, deal from a position of power. Yeah, always deal from a superior position, uh... It's dominate your underlings. Dominate your underlings and always act artistically. Yeah. Be artistic is one of their tenets. Which doesn't match with anything that else is written about them. It, it, which is weird because it it doesn't say, like, how would you be artistic? It just says, be artistic. It gives one example. And the example is something like they infect a planet with a plague and then start selling the cure. And yeah. they say, that's artistic. And it's like, I, I guess. I, yeah, so it's not just... Go up and bully people or, you know, shoot someone until you get your way. You need to be powerful in an interesting, artistic way. Which is, I think, the game essentially making it so that those who are playing the Conathians aren't just running around beating or- the crap out of everyone. Yeah, they aren't just orking it up. Yeah. It, it's specifically in there so that those char- the, those five players are all going, well, I need to be artistic. That means I can't just take a battle axe to you. Yeah, you have to find some interesting, cool humiliating way to, way to Yeah, so... Yeah. That's and then the uh, the last faction that we really have uh, for aliens is the Inner Empire. Uh, there used to be a great empire that then ended up collapsing, and they are tied most closely into the meta plot of the game. Right. Uh, there was the uh, great cubes that powered their empire, and one of them exploded and took out, like, a giant chunk of their empire, and mm-hmm. the other one was sort of lost to memory. Yes. Turns out, spoiler alert... Yeah, uh, sorry, sorry everyone who was planning to play Nexus. Sorry, sorry guys. Spoiler alert, the Earth is the second cube. Who could have guessed? Yes, it is the second cube. The cube is buried in the Earth and is poking out at certain corners, as you can learn by reading newspapers or calling the DM to complain about things. Or re- reading a variety of annoying rhyming couplets. Ah, oh, yes. That are stuffed in there that are super crazy annoying. Someone decided that they liked the idea of riddles, and so they put little rhyming couplet riddles in there for you to figure out. I don't remember the whole one, but my favorite <laughs> opens with the line, I'll see you be eternal, my love. <laughs> because see you be eternal. Ah. It says cube. Ah. Who will get that? <laughs> no one. No one will get it. The, yeah, so the Inner Empire is there mostly to try to get Earth to say that they want to join the Empire, because if Earth's government says, we want to join the Empire instead of being in the Ninth Federation, then they will join the Inner Empire, and the Inner Empire gets access to our mushrooms. Yes, and the few, oh, that's right, uh, because there's only one other planet in the universe where mushrooms grow. And uh, those mushrooms are super important because they can cure the space plague, and they are basically the spice from Dune. Yeah. Uh, and so they, a lot of the aliens that are coming to Earth think that the Earth mushrooms are the same thing. And I, the game is vague about it. It might be that they are. Yeah. And we just don't know what we have. We don't have the tools to refine it into spice. Yeah. And and it's important to make this note. They're just talking about mushrooms like you get at the store, not not. Uh, not the magical mushrooms. Not Solobison. No, not not psychedelic mushrooms. Just just mushrooms. Yeah, straight up, like, these little white mushrooms are the cure for what else is. Now, there are a few other space groups that we should briefly touch on. One of them is the Space Wizards. Which is pretty much just the Inner Empire. They're part of the Inner Empire, but there are two characters that you can play as that are or that people might end up playing as that are wizards, and they actually have spells and stuff, and they look like... I don't know, like Jewish mystics. They 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 have like big stupid robes on, and yeah, it's kind of stupid looking. Well, 
all of the art in this is kind of stupid looking. It, so, it really, you know. if you get a, if you find a copy of this in your local nerd store, you don't need to purchase it, but flip through it and find some of these great pictures in here because it's all just the weirdest line art you've ever seen. It is all just page after page of squinty-eyed businessmen. There's lots of that. That's the Earth factions. And then there's also the two guys that have Space Plague. We can't forget about them. They are escaped prisoners. Yeah, is one of the last factions is just guys with Space Plague. And they have escaped a planet that's been ravaged by Space Plague, and the two of them have a uh, pressing need to cure their own Space Plague. That's why th- that's their motivation. And if they get in fights with people, they give them Space Plague. Yeah. Okay, so that's them. Now, there are a couple of human factions as well. There's a local football hero teenager from Anytown, USA... Yeah, he is your Luke Skywalker. Uh-huh. I mean, and I don't mean that in the sense that he's like the character of Luke Skywalker. I mean in that a droid shows up, he gets a holographic image where someone says, Arnie Sack Morton, you're my only hope. Then he goes and tries to figure out what's going on, and an old Ben-looking figure shows up, tells him to go to the sci-fi convention, and that's where he ends up. Yeah. If you're wondering if this book has a lot of terrible puns in it, don't wor- don't worry, it really does. Oh yeah. The most powerful human character is a major mob boss, the Capo di Capo, named Dame Corleone. Yep. Yeah. And, and she's sh- like a frog kind of. Yeah, she's yeah. like a like a big frog with a pearl necklace. Yeah, she kind of looks like Amanda Waller but fatter, like a like ja- Jabba the Waller. That's yeah, what she there you That's go. what she looks like. Uh so that's another character you can play as. There's also my my favorite pun, the, the worst one in the book, one of the uh, Inner Empire guys is an alchemist. Named James Clerk Mixwell. Yep. Now, Which no one should know. I knew it, and I was like, why is he called that? Okay, so this guy literally has five or six vials of stuff. He has, like, sneezing powder and sleeping powder and a couple vials of spice and oil and so on to sell. Yeah, and normally you'd think, oh, his name is Mixwell because he's an alchemist. Ha <laughs> ha, that's uh, funny. That's good enough. Well, okay, but why is his name James Clerk Mixwell? Oh, well, because whoever wrote this had heard of James Clerk Maxwell, a scientist who discovered the speed of light. And what does the speed of light have to do with alchemy? Nothing at all. Yeah, pretty much yeah, fucking nothing. They, they just heard his name and decided to throw it in there for God knows what reason. Yep. Uh, so, that happened. Yeah. Okay, so, in addition to uh, Arnie Sark, Sack Morton, he also plays his dad and, like, their their bumbling neighbor. So you got a couple humans, then you got a whole human faction of FBI guys, a whole human faction of mobster guys. Yeah, so you've got the mob and not so much the FBI, it's like... The integration of the FBI and the CIA and the United Nations into one faction. Mm-hmm. It's just like the new intelligence agency or whatever. And I, the, the ones I really want to talk about, one of them's Inner Empire, and, and a couple of them are just kind of rogue agents. But uh, uh, there's a person named Frances Ferrara. She's an, she's an Inner Empire agent or something. And her and another character named Melina Zanla, I think, are the two that I really want to talk about the most. Okay. Uh, and Melina Zanla is a femme fatale type. Like, she's one of the major characters because she's got important information on her in, that regards to solving the whole Earth is a Cube treasure puzzle. Her storyline begins with, you are Melina Zanla, well, a real home wrecker. Huh. And it just goes on like this. It's the sexistest thing ever. Even her powers as a as a character are sexist. If she gets a man alone in the room, she can force him to tell the truth and give her money. Huh. <laughs> and then Francis Ferrara has the exact same ability. It's just written a little differently. It's and it's written with even worse sexism. She's a hooker. They don't want to tell you this. Instead, they make her into like a uh, space hero. She's basically like that uh, Latina Latina lady on uh, in Aliens who had the heavy machine gun. What was that character's name? 
Yeah. You know Vasquez. The Vasquez. She looks like Vasquez, and they describe her as Vasquez, which, awesome. Who doesn't want to play as Vasquez? But but uh, it, her power is, if she gets a man alone, she, <laughs> can, she can demand an item or half his money because, well, you know. Those are the words in the book. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I do know, book. I, I know. Do. I do. I know what prostitution is. You might as well tell me so that whoever's playing Frances Ferrara, when she finally gets a man in the room, doesn't have to say, uh, the paper says you have to give me one of your items and I don't know why. Yeah. Or, you know, maybe she gets a man alone and beats the shit out of him and takes that. I'd like to stuff. think so, but there's rules for that. <laughs> <laughs> so those are the two I really wanted to bring up because the two of them are so painfully sexist that it just hurts my brain. Uh, yeah, the... The thing that I want to talk about, which is probably one of the oddest groups that we haven't mentioned yet, is the Myriads. Oh, gosh, yeah, the Myriads. So it starts with uh, Dr. John. John Myriad. Yep. And he is a scientist, and he's discovered, like, vortex bubbles, and he has vortex theory and so on. And he's the closest one to sort of figuring out that uh, all of these... Bits of the cube that had originally exploded have ridiculous cosmic power, and he realizes that everyone is converging on this sci-fi con, so he shows up. And then he gets met by four different versions of his son. Grandson. No, just son. Okay. Uh, Anton Myriad, who is born 28 years after the events of this book happens, and he is... Depending on what the outcome of the storyline is, comes from a different timeline for uh, what could happen. So either he comes from a Earth where the Conathians rule and it's a brutal, horrible dictatorship, or he comes from one where it's under the Ninth Federation, where it's sort of a technological slavery because they aren't allowed to have anything the Ninth Federation doesn't want them to, mm-hmm. or one where there's a horrible space plague that has ravaged the Earth. And or an one where the one. Inner Empire has taken over, and it's sort of the best option? Yeah, kind of. So, that means that there are five players, where one of them's playing this, like, old scientist guy, and then there are four other guys who are all playing his son, and in various future types with the same name, and I, I almost kind of feel bad for these four, because they only have one thing to do. They, they show up, and they need to stop their own future from happening. Yeah, but they all... It's, it's weird, because they've all got... Almost the exact same plot and motivation, mm-hmm. but they all have really distinct information that they would want to get out. Mm-hmm. But even then, that information mostly pertains to, hey, don't trust the Conathians, or hey, don't trust the Ninth Federation, or hey, someone around here has fucking space plague. Yeah. And at that point... I feel like you would end up finding John Myriad, your dad, and be like, hey, try to stop this from happening. And you'd go, okay. And then the rest of your time during Nexus would just be you going, hey, man, you know I'm from the future? Isn't that neat? Yeah, there's a, the thing with it having 44 characters is a lot of them are kind of single issue. Like, they only do one thing. Uh, James Clerk Mixwell is a good example of that because his only job... In, on Earth, because he's, he's an Inner Empire guy, is to show up and sell the wares he has. Yeah, you have a lot of smugglers as well that are a faction that are just there to be like, what do you want? I want to buy this, I want to sell this. So the entire time they're playing, it's mostly just going, hey man, you got this thing? No? Great, next guy. Go fish. 
Yeah, or going, hey, do you have this? No. Do you want to buy this? No. All right. Okay, another character that we haven't mentioned yet is perfect for the person in your in your uh, group of 44 who is an asshole. <laughs> and, and that is Ducharm Lightfingers. Oh, Ducharm. Ducharm Lightfingers is the universe's greatest thief or whatever. So, to discuss Ducharm, we also need to discuss uh, fighting strength. It's the only stat that any character has. It's if you get in a fight with someone, you have a number that is your fighting strength. And you can say your fighting strength or less than your fighting strength at the same time that the other person says their fighting strength or less than their fighting strength. And whoever says the higher number wins. And you may be asking me, well, why why bother saying anything less than your highest fighting strength? It's because you don't want to accidentally kill people. Because the only way that the resolution happens is if you say between one and five greater than the other person's fighting strength, you beat them. Higher than five greater, you knock them unconscious and they need to go to the hospital and you attract witnesses and maybe the police get involved. Well, it's, yeah, there's a... It's actually, I think, one to five, you accomplish nothing. It's just sort of a tie combat. Hmm. Okay. Uh, six and up, you end up knocking them, then they get stunned. Mm-hmm. Uh, seven to, like, twelve is you end up knocking them out, and above that is they are incapacitated and actually, like, in the hospital. There you go. Ducharm Lightfingers is the world's greatest thief. In- universe's greatest thief. Yeah. He's just here because he hears there's a lot of rich people here holding a lot of contraband. Uh, he has a fighting strength, and to give you a basic average first, most people have between an 8 and a 12 fighting strength. Yeah, that's sort of your, your standard average human guy. Ducharm Lightfingers has a 19, it is the highest in the game, <laughs> and if he beats you, he takes half your stuff, and if he doesn't fight you, but simply interacts with you, he takes one of your things. Yeah. So he runs around taking everyone else's stuff and beating them up if they try to stop him, and there's nothing anyone can do about it, because the next highest fighting strength is an 18, on a random inner empire agent who doesn't matter. I'm not even gonna try and remember her name. No, no she's she's Ninth Federation. But who cares? You can tell because all the Ninth Federation people look ridiculous. Well, they look they're so, coneheads with tonsures. Yeah, they kind of seemed like they wanted to make uh Eldar from 40k, except yeah. they didn't realize that's that a helmet they, that that was a helmet, so yeah. they actually have cone heads. So it's it's there's only like three or four of these guys, but they all have cone heads with monk tonsure style haircuts made out of beaded uh, like, danglies. So, they look completely ridiculous. Yeah, it's... And it's kind of weird to me that the he Kona- would be that high when even, like, the... So, the Konathians are space orc Klingons, and the highest fighting strength they have is a 13. Right. Like, well, they're not even one of the strongest factions in there. Part of the deal with the Konathians is that they also all have energy weapons. That's, well... And, and personal shields. That's how they're, that's how they're cheating their way to wins. Yeah. Because there are items in this game, a lot of them. Oh yeah, there are a whole crap load of items. Okay, so before we get to that, let's really quickly wrap up. So we've just mentioned a whole bunch of characters, and believe me, there are a whole bunch more. Oh yeah, there's, we've, we've mentioned maybe like eight or nine out of yeah. the 44. There's there's psychic people, there's a ghost. Yeah, there is a ghost with a treasure. Yeah. Just in case you wanted to play Scooby-Doo instead of Nexus, you can try and find that. There's a ghost guy, he's a pirate. Yep. There's also an alien who is just there to watch. He is a ageless, like, million-year-old alien who at some point had a spice overdose when he was a young lad, and that made it so that instead of dying, he never ages. So he's just wandering around watching things. He looks like Zoidberg, so uh, I honestly just recommend that if you're playing this game, just tell that person to be Zoidberg instead. Yeah. Because yeah. it'd be way better to have Zoidberg wandering around your <laughs> you door. You are an immortal Zoidberg. <laughs> your job is to network. <laughs> and perhaps find some food. <laughs> yeah, there you go. 
There you go. So there's a whole bunch of characters. We haven't mentioned... I don't even think we've mentioned half of them. No. A lot of them are redundant. No, it's... There'll be things like, What are you? You're the leader of the Conathians. Alright, what do you have? Some underlings. They'll have their own sort of agenda, like, Oh, this guy wants to buy up mushrooms, or... Yeah. This guy wants to actually overthrow you specifically well, because you're a dick. Well, notably, all of the Conathians are planning to overthrow the main Conathian. Yeah. There's it's, the leader, and then everyone else hates that guy. Yeah. So that's kind of a sad state. If they, if, if you get handed the lead Conathian, don't be excited. <laughs> but the problem is, you don't know that, so you're like, Yeah, I'm the lead Conathian, this is great, yeah. and then you're just gonna get shot by the other people. Yeah. It's not gonna be a fun weekend for you if you get the lead Conathian. Or if you get, like, Dr. Trantis, who's just a space doctor. Yeah. Like, your entire job is, I like to cure people. But if the uh, the space play guys aren't doing their job, or they're really inconspicuous about it, you just kind of wander around and like, hey, did you need, did you need some doctrine? No, no, man, I'm good. Okay. All right, I'll be in the food court. <laughs> I'll be... I'll be in the cafeteria. Okay, so how do you end up with one of these many, many fine characters? Well, first, you have the option of pre-registration it gives. You can have people sign up early, and uh, they then say you should request a bunch of information, like their name, their age, their sex, their age, their occupation, their age, and their age. <laughs> yes, that is from the book. <laughs> I was going to call you on that, but then I noticed you were doing a bit. Yeah, no, the book does that whole, hey, you should worry about this, and then calls back to the same thing. That gag happens at least six times in the book. Yeah, They're there's like, a lot of that. You know what you should worry about when you're running the game is you should get enough rest, you should try to get your stuff together, rest a lot, make sure you have all your items, get some rest, and then have a nap. And you're like, I get it, you've said this fucking gag so many times. I like rape. <laughs> That's a good gag. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's a good gag in, in that movie, but otherwise don't keep don't keep doing it. Yeah. It's uh it's terrible. So the uh the book itself has the uh pre registration thing where you'll end up getting anyone who wants to sign up early can get a character ahead of time. Yes. Uh and you usually want to do anyone who's important for them. So if you've got a person you think would be great for the mob boss or the head of the Ninth Fleet or whatever, uh, then you can, once you get their information from the pre-registration, you send out uh, packets to people in the mail that'll have uh, whatever their starting stuff is, a little teaser on what their character is going to be in case they want to costume appropriately for it. Oh, yeah, it really, really wants you to dress up in costumes for this, which... All right. I mean, not, most of the costumes are possible. I mean, the only ones that are really impossible to do would be the the aliens. Yeah, it it's weird because the beginning of the book has this sort of forward by someone who's like, I've played in these games, and specifically even games these guys have run, and let me tell you what to expect. And in there it goes, you'll see based three types of people. There are those who will not dress up at all, who will just be there like, T-shirt and jeans doing whatever their character is supposed to be. People who will put a modicum of effort into it and be like, I'm in T-shirt and jeans, but I have a sash and a top hat because I'm the mayor. Yeah. Or you'll have people who are like, I am in full Victorian garb. Fuck you. That's what I'm doing. I kind of get the idea that those people were going to be in full Victorian garb, even if they shouldn't. Like, you know, you're a Conathian. You have to be a space <laughs> or I'll wear my steampunk outfit. Thank you. Yeah. 
I'm a steampunk orc. Thank you very much. Very, very good then. If you enjoy my glowing backpack, perhaps you'll recognize that I am an orc from space. <laughs> so, uh, it also ends up giving you a warning about the various player types and who you should hand, uh, during your casting process out what character should go to who based on what type of player they are. Oh yeah, there's actually notes for each character in the book about who you should, what kind of player they should go to. Like, for example, the Myriad Boys are good to go to basic players, because they don't have all that complicated of a job. Yeah, I mean, you've got people who are the gamers who are generally goal-oriented, and so anyone who's got something that they are trying to accomplish, a goal that's a concrete thing, they're like, give these to people who are gamers, because they'll want to see that through. Yeah. For people that are like the Luke Skywalker character, who doesn't actually have a goal, he just sort of shows up, they're like, give this to a good role-player, because... They'll take it and just have fun with it without needing to have some way to win. That was the same with the ghost pirate. If you're playing as the ghost pirate, then they should give it to someone who just wants to interact with a lot of people. Because as a ghost, he can pass through walls, can't get in fights, which means he's going to be a fly on the wall for everything. Yeah, and then they have the the third one is they've got actors, which less about role-playing or doing goals. They just want to be the center of attention, so they're like, anyone who's... Going to have, like, big scenes. The head Conathian is one of these. Yeah, head Conathian, mostly the heads of a lot of places yeah. are like, you're gonna make a scene, give it to an actor who will really ham it up. Most of the Conathians, even, they say, because you're supposed to be, like, super dominant and rah, so they're like, yeah, give it to someone who's gonna ham it. Yeah, same thing for Melina Zanla, she's supposed, cause she's supposed to spend a lot of time seducing everybody. Yeah, so you wanna have someone that actually wants to do that. So uh, there's a lot of notes and recommendations for how each player works. Once you've done your pre-casting, you'll keep all the remaining characters so that on the day of actual registration, like when the event's getting started, you can do a brief casting process with your random players off the street or with the people who you don't know anything about. And you can assign them characters based on that and give them their packets. Now, what's in a packet? There's a one-page sheet for every character in the book that tells you who you are and what you want and what you're doing. Yep, gives you your fighting strength and mm-hmm. what your goals are and all that. And if you have any equipment, it gives you the equipment. Also, it gives you a contact list. If your character, for example, is Shreve-Main, the world's greatest galactic reporter, oh, God, um, then you'll know that you can call your home office to have them do research on any given topic. Yeah, or, like, John Myriad can call his research assistants, and he can call the... Uh, the uh, science lab that he works at and see if they've got any information on whatever. So you've got a list of people you could call, and everyone can call, like, the hospital or the police station or yeah, whatever. Yeah, or even, or even call just to see what's in the newspaper. Although you're supposed to also print a bunch of newspapers with information about what's going on in the world and scatter them all over the, the convention hall. Yeah, and they do have a little bit in the back of, like, here's some pre-made newspaper stuff. There's newspapers, there's a couple of little stories, there's secret notes that you're supposed to have people start with. They're usually written in stupid, you know, single-digit substitution cipher codes. The problem with the newspaper thing, though, is that it assumes you are going to have someone writing that shit up from scratch as well. So, like, yeah, you should have someone uh, write up all of these events, you should have uh, adjust for, you know, however many players you have, And then on the second day, or the second printing, so maybe the night edition of your newspaper, Mm -hmm. you should have a uh, classified section. So, Because players can go to the newspaper and say, I want to put something in the classified. So if you are looking for someone to buy some of your items, 
or you need to meet with the leader of the Ninth Federation, or you need to do whatever, you can put an ad in the classifieds and hopefully get someone to notice it in case you haven't found them among the 44 people. There you go. you got 43 friends, and you got to get them to read this sheet of paper to see if they can find your classified ad. Yep. That's it's part of it. There's also a bunch of other fun little bits and pieces back there you can print and photocopy and hand out, including four different kinds of currency. Uh, there's greenbacks, which is U.S. dollars, and then there's IXF, uh, Interfederation, and Konathian currencies that you can go through. And then it tells you, uh, in no uncertain terms, that people love to hold stuff, which I'm sure is true for, for a large Oh, bank. yeah. So it says get a bunch of little to- little empty vials and fill them full of toothpaste and purple stuff and Sunny D Sunny D <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, and then anyone who's starting with vials that or springs or little cubes because there's a lot of little tiny cubes that have powers and are very important mushrooms you should have a bunch of those on hand um, so that you can basically give pe- you mail all this stuff to people so that when they come to the event they have all this stuff with them and they're yeah. they're excited about all these items that they have even if it's just a little metal sheet that you glued some doodads onto and then wrote like inner oscillator on they're oh like, yeah oh great there's a lot of really fun scientific techno jargon in this for no reason there's bam fliff ears and yeah. Yeah, yeah invective junctors and so on it's it, it it they did a pretty good job of that it's cute yeah no it's it's got a lot of the sci-fi trappings which is yeah, nice. It's cute. There's a few things that are, I, I find less cute. The, the names of all the chemical drugs are really annoying. Uh, They're all named things like A T C H O zero. Ha ha! It's sneezing uh, powder. Uh, at, uh, at, at you. There's also one called R three D two. I don't even remember what that one does. But yeah, there's so um so yeah. There's a bunch of fun items you can get. Some of the items are actual weapons or shields that you can use in combat. So if you have those, yeah, and it's you know. About 40 minutes in, and we haven't actually discussed how that works. Hey, it's just like a real LARP. <laughs> so, the combat in this is uh, interesting, I'd say, in that it's different from what you'd see in a lot of LARPs. There's no rock, paper, scissors or anything, though it does mention that. Yes. Uh, what you do is you've got two different ways you can attempt to injure someone if you want to fight. Mm-hmm. You can use a ranged weapon. An aiming weapon you have to have. You've got these little stickers. Mm-hmm. And if you get close enough to someone to put a sticker on them, then that means you shot them, and wherever you put the sticker is where they got shot. Mm-hmm. Now, there is a fair escape rule where if someone sees you coming at them and you have to have the card that has your gun or whatever on it out Mm -hmm. in order to shoot someone. So if they see you coming at them with your gun out, if they see it and walk away, it's considered a fair escape and you can't try to get near them for ten minutes. Now there is a section about how you could snipe somebody, though, which is hilarious. You actually need to call a DM, have them come out to your hiding place, and then have them identify the person you are attempting to snipe and confirm that you could potentially snipe them from there. Yeah, they walk over to the guy who you're trying to do it, see if they can then see back to where you are, and go, yeah, okay, that works. Then the GM will put a little dot on a guy and go, you just got sniped. And he decides whether or not it would be possible for the guy who got shot to know who it was that shot him. Yeah. Or anything like that. It's, it's not terrible. It all makes sense. It's just, it, it is, it's a little weird. You also reveal surprise cards, like if you're having a duel or a shootout or something. Yeah. And that, that's different from getting shot. Mm-hmm. So the, and, uh, the other thing with shooting someone is if there are witnesses. Oh, yes. So if you shoot someone and there are three or more civilians around, then you were noticed by the police and you're going to end up getting arrested. Yeah. So yeah. if you 
it stops it so you don't just run around placing dots on everyone like an asshole. And being arrested basically means that you have to stop playing for a while, and you go hang out in one of the two or three se- secondary rooms that are dedicated for not pl- not people in play. There's there's the uh, control room, which is specifically for the GMs. There's something called the Doodah Lounge, which is the dumbest name. And, and that's, that's where, mostly just for players. It's where players and the game mothers hang out. Yeah. And that's where you're supposed to go if you're in jail. It's a place to go be for a while while you're waiting for your shit to, to solve. You have to call someone and get out of jail somehow. Call a well, lawyer. The, the game goes, if someone's being a huge asshole and they get sent to jail, just keep them there. But if someone should be let out, then make it so that all of your uh, guards are real stupid or easily bribed. Yeah. Because they're like, just... You control the flow of your game, so but, if you need a guy to get out, do it. Okay, let's let's just make that clear. If someone's being a real huge asshole in your game, should you send them to jail? <laughs> or should you, since you are a goddamn grown-up and dealing with another goddamn grown-up, kick them out of your game instead? No, man, they paid to be in this. <laughs> Give them their money back. <laughs> get rid of them. <laughs> That's such a bad design. I'm not going to try and say, oh, sorry, a random adult I met yesterday. You have to go to timeout for the rest of our three-day weekend. Uh, that makes sense to me. Yeah. Well, this this is nerds we're talking about. I know. So I know it, it, it's all right. It's not. It's not the worst thing. There's another thing you can do with stickers as well. By the way, which is uh, contact poisons because of the space plague. Yeah. If you if you ever touch something that has a green sticker on it, congratulations, you are infected. You have to call the control room, and then there's a whole bunch of things about space plague that might affect you. I'm not going to get too deep into them because we're actually running out of time on this one. I thought we'd have nothing to talk about. Okay. So the uh, real quick, the other thing you can do with fighting is hand-to-hand. Yeah. And to do that, again, you have to walk up to someone, get next to them, and say, I'm fighting you. (laughs) If they don't walk away from you before you say, I'm fighting you, and you are next to them, then whoever the initiator of combat was says whatever number between one and their maximum fighting strength. The defender then says a number between one and their maximum fighting strength. And you resolve as we had said before. Yes. There are notably a couple of poor schmucks in the 44 characters that don't have fighting strengths. There's one where it's a good reason, because he's a ghost. Oh, yeah. But the rest of them, it's straight up because they forgot to put them in. Because the formatting in this book is largely lacking. Oh my god, I haven't even mentioned it yet, but the worst thing in this book is the uh, beginning quotes on things are non-existent. Anytime it wants to put something in quotes... And not even just, like, emphasis quotes, which it does a lot of. There's a lot of, yeah. But it also even just, someone actually said this quotation marks. The beginning quotation marks won't be there. It'll just have the end ones. And then you have to piece it together. You have to just kind of figure out where it was supposed to be beginning. Also, a lot of players get uh, equipment that's delivered to them in an itemized bullet point list. And then the very next page will have a different character with a list equally the same length that's just listed in the text. It's just with commas instead. <laughs> it's it, it, like like they just forgot how to do bullet points. Yeah, it's, which, it's weird. It's just an odd formatting editing thing, and the the fact that they use a lot of quotes, yeah, and it is missing from all of them makes me. It feels like they did a control F for beginning open quotes and then just deleted them all. It's really weird. So um so yeah that that's how close combat works. Uh, if you beat someone up, you can take some of their stuff and half their money. Yeah, if they end up going unconscious, then great, you can take a thing. Okay, so how do you win this game? You achieve your personal goals. And then there is the overarching goal where uh, Arnie Sack Morton is the guy who's in charge of the cube. Mm-hmm. And he has been, they were supposed to be a yearly rotation for who's in charge of it, but he has been on duty for a million years, is super pissed off about that, 
And so your options are, uh, the good ending is someone ends up figuring out that Earth is a cube inside, uh, they take Arnie's position, and then they gain sort of ultimate power because you control the cube. Yeah. There's some high-end powers you can pick up in this. Uh, notably, you can gain control of a remote-controlled battleship, <laughs> uh, which is as powerful as any other fleet, just the one battleship. Yeah. Oh, there's also spells, which we didn't even talk about. Spells work exactly like energy weapons or something. You reveal them at the start of a combat, or if it's a non-combat spell, you reveal them when you want to use them. They're single-use. You can only have... Uh, it's it's Vancean. <laughs> the wizard only has, like, seven spells memorized. Yeah. So There's, uh, there's also psychic weapons oh gosh, where they yeah. have different colors, and all you need to do to use it is show someone it, and yeah. if they see the color, then they are affected by Usually it. Usually it just stuns them. There's one that can kill people. But the game really doesn't want you to kill people. That's because, again, it's a paid three-day weekend. If you get killed on day one, how angry are you? Oh, yeah. And it, it has some notes for, like, if someone dies during, you know, the beginning of the game just from some random douchebag... Try and get them back into the game either to, like, talk to them and go, do you want to keep playing as essentially your guy? Well, then you're playing as his brother, who's his twin brother and knows all the same things he did. Yeah. Or if the guy's like, no, I didn't like that character. Like, you want to be NPCs for a while and do stuff? And if they're into that, you can have them just play all the NPCs. Right. So it gives you some notes and options on that. Again, other than the bad formatting and, and the sexism, um, the rampant, the, rampant sex and, and the terrible jokes and the dumb puns. Other than the uh, weapons that don't make sense and the things they forgot to put in there. Uh, other than all that, this is pretty well written. It does a pretty good job of conveying <laughs> <laughs> conveying how it would be to run a LARP. Yeah, so. I think the best thing about it is it does actually give a lot of tips. The book, like we had sort of mentioned in the beginning, feels like it wants to be the beginning of a how-to guide for anyone that wants to do this semi-professionally, it even seems like. Like, oh, it yeah, seems I, like you want to set up a business running these. I, I don't I don't know why they think anyone's going to do that, but whatever. I guess because there's not enough dicks to be such for money. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> there's never enough dicks. God. Oh, so, okay. John, what is your favorite thing? Uh, I don't know, probably... Puppies? Probably, I, I don't know, ice cream <laughs> on, on this hot, hot day? Yeah. A uh, warm a warm puppy by a fire. <laughs> that, no, okay. What is your favorite thing about Nexus? Uh, best thing about Nexus... I'm, I'm going to say the initial GM notes are actually really well thought out. It gives you step-by-step ideas for this is what you need to do in the planning phase... This is what you need to do in the phase when you're actually constructing things. This is what you need to do for mailing things out. This is what you need to do for setting up things. And it gives you a lot of stuff like, hey, if you're not the type of person that's really good with managing, say, getting a hotel room, uh, like a ballroom or whatever that you would need to run this in, get delegated to a certain person and... Don't feel like you need to do everything. And it's got a lot of good tips for someone that wanted to run one of these. So I think the best thing about that is it does succeed in doing what it seems like the main 
goal of this book, even more than giving you the game, is giving you the tools to run a game. To run LARPs in general. Yeah. It almost seems like the game, the adventure in the book, like the LARP in the book, even though it takes up the majority of it, it feels like, excuse me, it feels like one of those, those adventures that's at the back of uh, an RPG you buy. Oh yeah, it definitely feels like the real meat of this game is the ability to run it, and then it's like, Here's sort of a sample thing. Maybe next time you'll make your own or do whatever. Yeah, you know, when you get to the back of the book you're reading and it's got that adventure back there and it's like, Kobolds at the keep! Ah, Will they take the prize? (laughs) Why? Why are they in the 1930s now? It's the best time for voices. Oh, the very best of times. Yeah. It's my 1930s Dungeons and Dragons role-playing game. Uh, I'll critical hit your ear, I will. <laughs> so, never mind. Uh, what is your least favorite thing about Nexus? Hey, you didn't say your favorite thing. Fuck you. Don't don't switch up the rules now. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought it was your favorite, then your least favorite, then my favorite, then my least favorite. Okay, fair. My favorite thing about Nexus is the... Uh, art. It's the art. No, I was gonna say, it, say the art. Fine, the art. Ha, <laughs> yeah. You win. You get the art. I tricked you into saying the art. The art is terrible, <laughs> and... And admittedly, I do enjoy terrible, terrible things. Yeah, that's why true. I do this podcast, to, to read as many terrible books as I can get away with. <laughs> and and just sit keep... next to a terrible person. Oh, God, you're the worst. <laughs> the, the literal worst. I mean, until the change. Honestly, I'm starting to like this clone version of you better. I like you. Oh, never mind. Ha ha ha! Creepy again. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh... So yeah, the art in this book is uniquely bad. I, the one we didn't even talk about is the 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 gang leader, the mob boss who runs Los Angeles. Her name's Miss Scarlet, oh, and God. she and she's supposed to be like a like a like a femme fatale kind of like cougar firebomb type character, but she looks like like the Spider Queen. Like all you get is her is her like neck and head. And if that you've, if you've seen the Emperor's New Groove. Oh it's, yeah, she's yeah, Isma. Yeah, she is Isma. That yeah. is it. That's perfect. That's exactly. She even has the the the, the sticks in her hair. Yeah, like it's it's like uh, okay, the the L.A. gangs unite and and uh, put an old Asian lady in charge. Yep. that's what happens with Miss Scarlet. I don't know why they do that. <laughs> but that's that's what happens. So uh, there you go, the art. All right, back to this. John, what is your least favorite thing about Nexus? Okay, so my least favorite thing is probably going to be the stupid puns and things in there. There's a lot. There's a lot. And Okay, so there's one that isn't actually a pun, but when I saw it, I thought it was for a second. There is a character in the Ninth Fleet called Eric Zephron. And I thought it was a play on Zach Efron, but this game, long. but this game is from 1994, and I don't know that Zach Efron was born in 1994. Yeah, and that made me real sad when I realized that. So my least favorite thing is being old and realizing that I'm old. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry that the Reaper is marching up on you. Honestly, the smell of death that follows you into my bedroom to record these things every day is palpable. Oh yeah. Granted, I'm two years older than you, but. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I, I don't really have a lot of an issue with the puns. It's the bad jokes that are just sort of like, mostly the sexist ones or the ones that are like really, really low effort. Yeah, there's a lot of that. And speaking of, my least favorite thing. Uh, What is it? It's the the sexism. Yay, the (laughs) sexism. This book really suggests that you have a bunch of people who are just around to give you like, back rubs, and then the characters it's written, a lot. some of the female characters, admittedly, some of the female characters are dynamic and impressive and important. 
Like, uh, Dame Corleone is the lead of, lead of all the mob bosses, and even though her name is just a Don Corleone ripoff, uh, she is, or Dom Corleone ripoff, she is the most important, she's not pretty, she's like an old fat lady, and she's in charge of Earth, basically. She, like, if, uh, if Earth gets a victory in this, it's because she got th- her shit together. Yeah, because the, uh, we had mentioned that the Inner Empire needs the government of Earth to say they want to be a part of the Inner Empire in order to get them. And the mob is the closest thing to an international uh, ruling government that yeah. they could find. She also has already had someone take over the mushroom trade in the in the on Earth, so the mushroom thing could come down to being through her and one of her associates. Yeah, so, one so. of the people in the mob is the one in charge of mushrooms. Yeah, so there's there's a couple female characters in there that are legitimately well written and have an interesting story to them. But then there's also characters who straight up have the opening sentence be, "You're a real home wrecker." And then, your fighting strength is 15, you poor little thing, you. <laughs> like, ugh. I don't want to hand that to one of my friends. I also don't want to hand that to a stranger. Yeah, although, one of the weird things they do is they talk about cutting this down from 44. Yeah. And they're like, if you're going to excise something, just get rid of a faction. Yeah. So they're like, do you want to get rid of something? Just get rid of Canathians entirely. They're gone. Yeah. Or get rid of the space plague guys, or whatever. I'd get rid of the inner Earth personally, or inner Empire personally, because they're the most annoying. <laughs> like all of all of the inner Empire are goofy wizards and stupid psychics, and the random homewrecker characters, and and uh, the foppish son of a duke. It, they're just annoying goofballs. Every one of them is like it, it's like the the drama club of the game. Oh. So yeah, there you go. But yeah, least favorite thing: the sexism. There you go. All right. So, would you play? Nexus something or other, play this book volume one. Live action role playing, yeah. play this book volume one. Yes? I, I would. Yeah. I have never played a LARP. I would be interested to see how this goes. I've always been interested in LARP from, like, a scientific perspective of just how, especially these ones, the ones that happen at conventions that are supposed to take place in a very small amount of time, that have an end goal. I like those. More than I like the idea of something like an ongoing vampire LARP or something like that. Yeah. Because then it's just, I feel like it would devolve into circle jerking over and over again. But with this, you've got an end game. Right. This is more of a murder mystery. Like the kind yeah. of box set murder mystery that you can buy. They used to be able to buy like the uh, game stores that malls had before those were all gone. Oh yeah. No. Yeah. I, you know, I've got how to host a murder mystery for Star Trek The Next Generation. Yeah. So this is, this is our, uh, really? Yeah, I do. Oh, that's fantastic. Hell yeah. You get to be like Worf and Data. It's well, great. We're going to run that shit. You know that, right? <laughs> oh my God. Okay. So I, I also would play this. And actually I was recently invited to play in a LARP, but it fell through. Oh. Uh, and it oh. was, it was through your girlfriend. So, uh, oh, well, there you so go. let's keep on her to keep on her ex-boyfriend yeah, I'll keep on her yeah you keep yeah. on your girlfriend uh to keep on her ex-boyfriend because he runs these things in LA sometimes and I'll tell you what we'll make it a uh, we'll make it a field trip for system mastery and yeah we'll, let's we'll, let's get someone to record it and then everyone can see us walk around being big fat big nerdo lumpy weirdies. lumpy gross people <laughs> that with faces fit for podcasting <laughs> finally you'll know you'll know why we do a podcast it's not that hard to figure out what we look like we're on facebook <laughs> Also, we do have a couple videos that we stopped doing. <laughs> God, could you imagine shooting one of those videos today? It would be more sweat than footage. Oh, God. 
So, it would be so sad. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so yeah, maybe we'll make it a system mastery trip report. Yeah. We'll go play in a real live LARP. So to answer the, the, the follow-up question, though, yes, I would also try this just because yeah, I've would. always wanted to do a stupid puzzle weekend LARP. It's just like how we went to a Nickelback concert. <laughs> do, do I want to be a Nickelback fan? No. Do I want to say I've been to a Nickelback concert? Also, no. But <laughs> but it is worthwhile to have for a party drop. <laughs> right? Uh, yeah. yeah. No, it's totally worth it. Yeah, absolutely. So... Uh, if you are in the Southern California area and you are a listener of our podcast and you run one of these weekend LARPs, or if you just want us to visit your LARP, then please drop us a message and we will do so and then we will make fun of you on the internet. I'm just kidding. We'll be nice. No, he's not kidding. We'll make fun of you. Yeah, that's probably <laughs> true. <laughs> so uh, so I think that we're just about done for the, the, the uh, week here. You think there's anything else you want to talk about with Nexus? No. No, I think that pretty much does it. Okay. So uh, we already have our game set up for two weeks from now. We, we've started reading it already. Uh, to give you a little hint, or I'm sorry, I've started reading it. I still have yet to pass it over. To give you some hints, it is a spy game where you play as ghosts working for secret ghost spy factions. You may think we've already reviewed this. We haven't. This is not Orpheus. No, this is a whole different thing. It's one of those fly-by-night 90s games. Uh, so it's very much a 90s game. It's got very, it's got that kind of rules light, story heavy flair where the rules that they left behind don't make any sense. So, look forward to that. Uh, as always, you can find System Mastery at systemmastery at gmail.com, systemmasterypodcast.com, System Mastery on your choice of Facebook or Twitter or iTunes or, or, uh, Stitcher. All of those. Find us at one of those. Or just leave a comment right below this if you uh, want to tell us you're wrong. And if you are the writer of this game, as seems to keep happening. Uh, again, apo- apologies to the author of Car Wars. Your book was very hard to read. And, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry we don't know how to read books. Yeah, but we seem to want to talk about them. <laughs> so, uh, okay, there you go. Yes, and from all of us here at System Mastery, keep listening and good night. Uh. <laughs> Good night. <laughs>